This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And it is wonderful to have Sammy Woodhouse with us today. Sammy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Great to have you with us. And we are going to talk about a lot. Obviously, people can find you. There is your handle, at Sammy Woodhouse on Twitter. And also, uh, let me bring up your book. And I know that people, if they haven't already got it, then I know they will want to get it by the end of this, giving your story, Just a Child, Britain's Biggest child abuse scandal exposed the Rotherham whistleblower tells her shocking true story um, and I would encourage and recommend people to get that all the links are in the description so you can just click on that and order that for well under a tenner so I would recommend that um Sam maybe the first you're obviously mm-hmm. presenter out of the shadows uh born from red best-selling author um of that book just a child um award-winning activist public speaker exposing abuse and corruption and i've never we've i've never met you i've watched what you've done from afar um and you're on my list to get you on as soon as was possible and obviously this latest police report um maybe we can start with that um it's the greater manchester police this time uh, six and a half years, 174 pages. I know you had posted online, you were reading through it. I've skimmed through it. I will admit I have not read every single word of the 174 pages. I've gone through the pen and mark, but tell us your thoughts as you, six and a half year process is coming out. Um, what were your thoughts whenever it came out, that whole press conference? Tell us what your thoughts were. Well, I'll be honest, I've not had a chance yet to read all of it. It is quite a lengthy uh, report, but it's, um, for me, reminds me very much about what happened in Rotherham. Uh, Very similar. You've got children that have been groomed, raped, exploited, trafficked and murdered. And the people that were paid to protect didn't pay, you know, they, they wasn't protecting anyone apart from themselves, their agencies and their reputations. So it's things I've heard all before. And, you know, for people like me, when we come out and we tell people what's happening and, you know, for Rochdale, it was people such as Maggie, Sarah, Nazia, um, you get treated like um, absolute hell. You get called a liar. You know, you're branded racist or Islamophobic because, you know, these reports that are coming out are saying that majority of the victims are of white children. Majority of the perpetrators are Pakistani Muslims. Um, And it's just telling us things that, you know, we keep hearing over and over again. And even though we keep hearing uh, what's happening, nothing really seems to happen, does it? You know, this report will come out. People like me will jump on the telly. We'll talk about it for a couple of days. You know, then they come out with the whole PR of, you know, lessons have been learned. Things have changed. Truth is, it's not changed at all. Uh, They're still not protecting children. And then another story comes along and we, you know, we do it all over again. I've been saying the same things now since August 2013. And we're still here today in 2024 saying the exact same things. And I still don't think we can have open and honest conversations around this subject at all. Um, you know, the moment we try to, it's just automatically shut down. 
country's a mess. No, 100%. And I think I first came across it, probably was Andrew Norfolk's piece um, in, I think it was 2012. That was the first time I came across it. Um, and I've had the privilege of working closely with Lord Pearson in the House of Lords, and he has talked about this a lot. Um, and he finds the same. Whenever you discuss this, there is a rejection that it is happening or being told that, don't worry, things are in place and it is all better now. But I mean, when this came out, we, uh, whistleblower came out to say, actually, this is still happening, even though the report said this is done and dusted, it's all. But it seems to be a current issue also. Oh, yeah, without doubt. I mean, even if you look at, um, was it Andy who um, from Manchester um, kind of read out his little speech? You know, he would he was calling children women. I know. Women, you know, we, we was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old children. Uh, they can't even get their language right. Um, and the chief constable of, of Rochdale is Steve Watson. He was actually one of the chief constables in Rotherham. So I've actually met with Steve. So he's he's very familiar with, you know, the exploitation, the cover-ups and, and all of that. Um, and, yeah, I'm telling you right now, when they're sat there telling you that things have changed, I tell you right now, it's not. I work all over the country. I work with police officers, social workers. I change policies, laws. Um, you know, I've kind of got my hand in a little bit of everything. So I hear firsthand from professionals that even some of my um, exposures that I've done, it's actually a lot of the professionals that are passing me the, the information saying, Sammy, this is still happening. The wrong language is being used. People are, are being failed. Um, so even professionals are as frustrated as what people like me and, and Maggie and everybody else is. Um, but there's a lot of professionals in fear. They can't speak out about things going wrong because, of course, they're threatened. They lose their jobs. Um, you know, people like me as whistleblowers, we've we've told people over and over again um, what is done to us for speaking out. Well, tell us, because you've got people in positions you have spoken out. I mean, I've been to a number of debates in Parliament. You've got a number of MPs. It It's on the record, it's public. It's not a hidden issue anymore. Um, and I guess with Andy Burnham, I have no love for Andy Burnham at all, but yet I guess he initiated this report early on when he became. So I guess that's something positive because at least it's a point of discussion in the media. Yeah, but we've been having these discussions, aren't we, for, for over a decade. I mean, if you look through evidence, I think it was the Sikhs that were raising it. Um, I don't know if it's the 80s or 70s. So we've been having these conversations for a very, very long time. And we're still really no further forward in dealing with it. You've got rapists that are still on the streets and um, still raping children. They can take us through the family courts to actually get contact and custody of our children, which is, you know, kind of something I've been um, exposing and, and speaking out. You, even without taking us through the courts, professionals are inviting paedophiles into children's lives. Professionals are actually trafficking children through the state. This is something government's known for years, and I'm trying to get a law change around that. But children are still being criminalised. Uh, you know, now adults are being left with criminal records. It's finding it difficult to even get jobs. And, you know, there's still no proper support in place. Survivors are waiting years to even get into a courtroom to try and get some justice. And if you do get there, you're actually very fortunate because I think it's 
I can't remember the exact percentage, but I think it's something like three or four percent um, of people that make it into court. Our system's terrible, and it, it it isn't fit for purpose whatsoever to support victims. We have um, a system that benefits rapists. I mean, my own evidence in my files. It clearly states that the Home Office researcher was instructing professionals in my case not to act. You know, this went all the way to the top of the Home Office. You know, we're not talking about just, you know, a couple of councils, a couple of police forces. This is a problem for, you know, every town and city around the country. I've sat listened to politicians and I have tried to understand why they hear the issue, they accept the issue, they accept the scale of the issue, and yet they walk out of a meeting and just simply go on to the next meeting. And I I cannot, for the life of me, understand how it doesn't affect you as a human being, and therefore you think, actually, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to um, begin to engage the media. I'm going to make this a key issue of being an MP, and I know you've spoken, I'm sure, to many different Mm -hmm. politicians. Um, How is it that people get it, but yet don't seem to want to act on it? I know. I'll never understand this myself. Um, I have met a lot of of politicians, and they are some that, you know, they are kind of trying to fight for us. But if, if you look at all the peoples in government, look how many of them are actually under investigation for committing sex crimes. So what you actually have um, are criminals running this country. So why would they try and act um, when they're committing some of these type of crimes themselves? Look at, uh, was it Lord Ahmed? Um, he he was convicted. Um so, yeah, we've, uh, we, we've definitely got a long, long way to go, but I'll never understand why people can turn or how people can turn a blind eye to it. They're all good in, you know, when it comes to an election, you know, to kind of focus on it, and then as soon as they don't need it anymore, um, it goes away. So, yeah, very, very disappointing. And that's the national side, but then the local side. Um, whenever it's happening kind of in your area that you... I would expect, feel some personal, not responsibility necessarily, but desire to fix that because that's where you live. I mean, what are the conversations been uh, like for you over the decade, really, with local officials, with uh, local councils, with councillors? Um, have they been any better at engaging? And I know uh, Rochdale has been horrendous council uh, as has rather but yeah what are your experiences been like of engaging with councils well again I, i've kind of worked hard all over the country and it's it can go of, of both ways now i'm classed as a high profile survivor so if i was for example to call for a meeting with you know rotherham council um it's in their best interest to be working with me because otherwise, you know, their reputation, et cetera, is going to be on the line. And But for me, everything is still about people's reputations. I mean, I've, I remembered a couple of years back, I announced on social media that I was going into um, a city. I'm going to be careful how, how much detail I say just because, um, 
you know, some people um, came to me, they, they whistleblow, but I went into a city, word got round, I was there. The next minute, an agency sent round an email to all their staff saying that no one was allowed to come near me or speak with me because they was, you know, in fear that I was going to come and do an exposure on their agency. Um, funnily enough, that is actually why I was there, but they didn't know that. But um, so some people are so terrified to even work with me um, because they don't want to be branded as this next Rotherham. Um, nobody wants to be Rotherham. We're known as the capital all over the world for exploitation. And, you know, when I've, I've spoke to some people, some officials in Rotherham, and I've said to them, look, you need to like, kind of use this to your advantage. You know, go into government, get as much money as you can, get, you know, all the tools that we need as a town. Uh, you know, I suppose milk it um, and get everything that we need. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are just so embarrassed to to kind of want to even deal with it. But yeah, for me, it's, everybody's is still too focused on their reputation. And I know that a lot of people in Rodham do absolutely everything in their power to keep the media away. And I've been in um, some circumstances where I've had to report things to the police. Um, and I believe certain situations have been deliberately not dealt with because they're in fear of putting me back into that courtroom. They know all the evidence I've still got, what's never been highlighted. They know I'm going to bring media attention with it. And it's, yet again, going to look bad on their reputation. Um, I want to ask you about the police, because this report was into the police, Greater Manchester Police. Um, and basically, the end result of it was... Uh, we've been bad, but we're now better. That, that's more or less. Uh, and that was Greater Manchester Police. Uh, you have more experience, I guess, with the South Yorkshire Police. Uh, are they just as bad, or is this simply a, a little problem that's up there in Rochdale and Manchester? Oh, no, it's not a Rochdale problem. This is this is a national problem. Um, and I think Rotherham has done more than highlight that. Now, I've I've done, you know, interview after interview for 11 years now saying how corrupt South Yorkshire police were. And I do try and work with those agencies because I don't want there to be lots of little Sammies out there. Um, so I do try and work with them as much as exposing them. Um but I do find it difficult to do that, I'll be honest. I'm kind of at a position at, at, at the minute where they've they've done something actually to really annoy me. So I'm kind of, I just need a bit of space from, from them at the minute. But this is definitely a national problem. And again, it's all about reputations. But the government need to be stepping in. You know, they haven't got the proper training. They haven't even got enough police officers to even deal with it. You have the officers that still don't even understand exploitation. You know, we should as a country be so much more forward than what we are. We're not. I mean, even the laws, look how outdated the laws are. So I'm trying to get a law passed at the minute where um, rapists, you know, should be stripped of parental rights to children born from their crimes. And I've been trying to do this since 2018 when I exposed it was happening. It's like banging my head against a brick wall. You know, and if there's one thing that COVID taught me, sorry to bring COVID into it, I know it's a completely different issue. Look how quick they was to deal with with certain things and bringing new new things into place, but yet they can't do it to protect children. Our country is a mess, not because you know they they just can't deal with it. It's because they don't want to. They've proven it time and time and time again. 
Yeah. No, no. If, if only you could link the grooming gang issue with spreading COVID, then, yeah, the police yeah. would suddenly uh, be arresting people. But tell us about that, because the so much in this area is impossible to believe. And then you delve into it and you find that actually this is where we are as a country. This is where we are across not just in where you've mentioned, but I think trials in 40 different towns across the country. So this is a massive endemic problem that's been here for uh, over four decades. Um, tell us about that with uh, a rapist having access to the children. That will blow people's mind, but that is the situation. They're allowed to request that. Uh, tell us about that and, and your work to try and strip them of those rights. Yeah, so back in 2018, my rapist got invited into legal proceedings. So, and again, I've got to be really careful with this legally because of my son's story and my son's story isn't mine to tell. He has given me permission to speak of some of it, but not all of it. And I'm sure in time he, he will he will give me permission to speak on more. But um, so my rapist wasn't on my son's birth certificate. But he was invited into legal proceedings uh, where he could apply for either contact or full custody of my son. Now, the only reason... He was invited. Yeah, he was invited. So he didn't even ask. So he wasn't even applying. He was invited in by Rotherham Council. Yeah. And the only reason why there was legal proceedings in our case anyway, um, it wasn't a case of my, my son being removed or anything like that. I was trying to get as much support for my son. And if he went on to a full care order, he would get that support. So, you know, we was expecting this to be a very simple, easy process. Um, of course, I had a big shock when I got to the courtroom and the social worker said, just to let you know, he's not coming. And that's how I found out. Like, so he was even, or possibly could have been in the same courtroom as me. Bearing in mind, I've just sent him to prison for 35 years. That was total sentence, what he did to me and other kids. Plus also I was the one that opened up every criminal investigation in South Yorkshire. So all his brothers are in prison, you know, kind of blaming me as well. It would just such a dangerous and stupid situation but the truth was this was happening to you know lots of different people all over the country so again this wasn't just a problem for me and Rotherham now fortunately it didn't turn up uh, he didn't collect the paper so he didn't even know at that time it was happening but I went public when I did because there were still social workers suggesting that my son go up to prison and have supervised you know, visits with him. Um, it's just insane. And I'd love to sit here and tell you a lot more to this case, because I tell you this right now, you would have been mortified to know what my son has had to go through. And they were still willing to hand him on a plate to a person that had caused so much harm. But to go through a family court process, so for him, it's actually really simple. What he could do um, I mean, my son's an adult now, but what he could have done is sent in an application to the family courts, um, asked for a hearing, and that's it. If you're working, I think it's about 230 quid. If not, you get free on the legal aid. But what I'm now kind of having to fight is because I've now got grandchildren and he is their legal grandfather, 
he could actually apply for contact through the family court as well to see my grandchildren. So I've had to deal with his family members, contacting my son, asking for pictures and things, saying, oh, he wants to see you. Um, so, you know, here I am at 38 years old, still fighting with a system to make sure he doesn't come near me, my children, my grandchildren. It shouldn't be like that. Um, Sam, if I can bring up a tweet that you put up recently, and it is this, um, and it shows the police failings again, not informing you. When a crime as serious as attempted murder happens, you would think South Yorkshire police would keep me updated. Not only have I missed the sentencing of one man that's pleaded guilty, we have no idea if the other man has even been caught. It's been a year and no update. Joke. How, how can the police not inform you whenever something like this happens? I know, I mean, this is a case of, you know, attempt murder on my son's life and I've not had an update in over a year. The last I heard is that one man had pleaded guilty um, and there was one man still at large. Um, so, yeah, I've not even had the opportunity to go um, and see, you know, him face to face in the courtroom at sentencing. This was actually a victimless prosecution. Um, my son didn't want to get involved in it. Um, so it's something I pushed as, as a mum. So I, I wanted to sit there and, you know, look him in the eye. We're talking about two men that put a machete through my son's head twice, cut off his hand off and set a dog on him. It's a really serious crime. And, yeah, for not even to get an update, well, I think it speaks volumes about where South Yorkshire Police are still at. Um, I want to go on to, uh, I get 100% agree with you on the police and everything I've seen and read um, and delved into shows systematic complaints uh, across the board in, in police forces. But there's also the, the legal side, and you've touched on um, actually rapists having access to their children. There are lots of other, you talk about a long prison sentence, but I've talked to many girls and they've had seen their perpetrator being put away for five, six years and let out after good behavior. And there doesn't seem to be a, a threshold that actually, if you commit this crime, you go away for minimum of 20 years or whatever. Um, and for these men to be walking in the streets after multiple rapes, after a couple of years, uh, I can will blow people's mind. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, it's a miracle if one of your perpetrators gets, you know, charged in, in a courtroom anyway. But when they are, they're just pathetic sentences. And if, as you've said, a couple of years, they serve off, they're out in no time. A lot of them are saying, oh, well, you know, we've turned to uh, God and religion. Um, you know, they, they just completely play the system. We have a system that is completely unfit for purpose. It does not support victims in any way, shape or form. As a, as a victim or a survivor, you have to fight for absolutely everything. So, you know, going right back to the beginning, I even had to fight to get legal aid just to sue South Yorkshire Police um, and Rodham Council. So we had to fight for that. Then I had to fight to get him into the courtroom because before I actually went to Andrew Norfolk and exposed it, I was actually trying to get the police to deal with it. So when I went to Andrew Norfolk, I had police files, social care files, medical files. I was actually recording police officers on my mobile phone, you know, to give all that to try and expose it. And that's the reason why I went to Andrew Norfolk in the first place, out of desperation, because just no one was taking me seriously. Um, and then I had to fight 
um, against the CICA. So the CICA are the criminal injuries compensation, uh, compensation scheme. So they actually sent me a letter after he'd been sent to prison for 35 years, which, yeah, it'll probably only serve off. And they, you know, they were saying, well, we're not going to give you compensation because even though you're seen as a victim within law, we don't see you as one. The letter was absolutely horrific. And again, you know, many survivors across the country was receiving the same um, letters. So that's something else I had to fight. I eventually won. And then, of course, there's the family court stuff you have to fight. Um, it's always a fight. But is it worth getting because it is... Again, and I use the word unbelievable once again, but that uh, that you having gone through this then have to fight through the court system for any other type of justice. One thing, having the perpetrator locked away, but and you talked about the, the compensation scheme and that's kind of government compensation uh, to you has having gone through that. But I've realised, and we're involved in, in another case, of actually um, getting money from the perpetrator themselves, that they get locked away, but there's no legal mechanism for them then to be forced automatically to pay compensation for what they've done. And surely that has to be an automatic. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I sued my perpetrator directly when I was 16. Um, that was for, for one incident. And I'll be honest, it was a very straightforward, kind of easy process. Um but, yeah, I, I think that, you know, when you get to sentencing, you found guilty. I think, first of all, you should be stripped of any parental rights to those children, which, again, is what I'm trying to fight for. Um, the compensation, yeah, be stripped of your assets um, because, of course, we can sue in, in different ways. But why shouldn't it be the perpetrators that? that have to do with that um but yeah i mean to sue someone directly all you have to do is you go to a solicitor uh, they can help you start those proceedings but of course the perpetrator does have to have some kind of assets or home business or or whatever not not all of them have so i think it's good that there is other routes that we can go down to get that compensation but yeah strip them or everything i can not trying to because uh the individual has to then raise money to go through that legal process. And I've certainly seen that it takes maybe months for a hearing to be in something. Then at the hearing, you realize, oh, we're missing a little bit of paper. Therefore, we're going to wait for another four or five months. Then they do that. Then the judge decides something. Then it takes the court six months to... Yeah. And it seems everything is stacked up yeah. against the, the victim. And I've come to the conclusion the legal system is simply about putting money into the pockets of those in the legal system and not actually about helping a victim. Yeah. I tell you right now, our system does nothing for victims whatsoever. Nothing. They could change that if they wanted to. They don't want to. It's as simple as that. So, uh, sorry, go on. No, no, there's not. Um, I just wanted you. There's another issue in that the victims are, um, are, actually held and 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 gone after for supposed crimes this is about sammy's law tell us about what that is about and how the system um st instead of seeing them as as victims they see them as actually guilty of crimes mm -hmm. how is that the case and what are you trying to do with sammy's law 
So when I was a child, I wasn't just sexually exploited. Um, sexually exploited, I was criminally exploited as well, just as many survivors have been, and obviously children still are. Now, what's happened to me and, and lots of other people is, instead of recognising us as victims of exploitation, they've actually been um, criminalising us. So I've now got a criminal record. I'm just waiting to hear back to see if my record will be cleared. So on mine at the moment, what's left is I got into a fight at school. I was 15 years old. We've, you know, both of us, we've testified in courts of law. So it's proven that it's all, you know, connected to the exploitation. But that's been on my record since I was 15. I'm now 38. Um, you know, this is victim blaming. And when my perpetrator, um, you know, when he got charged with all these sexual offences, and I said to the police, are you going to charge him for any of the criminal exploitation? And they said, well, no, we don't have to because we've got so many crimes for the sexual exploitation. And I think that's wrong because he's now in prison and, yeah, he might have got 35 years, but none of it has been for, you know, leaving me with a criminal record, which, of course, does affect me for the rest of my life because, you know, you go for jobs, it's on there, you have to declare it, you have to talk about it. On my insurance policies, I have to declare I've got a criminal record. Um Again, it's always a victim that has to suffer. So what I'm calling for is for children not to be criminalised when they are forced to commit a crime and um, for survivors like myself that have been criminalised to be given you know, that better option to have our records cleared. Now, what's really important is it can't be a blanket. You know, we have to accept some of us have, have gone on to become perpetrators, to be dangerous people. And um, so it has to be looked at as as an individual um, basis. So, but yeah, I am I am waiting to hear about my own criminal record. So when I find out, I will let you all know. And I I watched whenever this was the Sarah Champion MP had brought this up in the House of Commons. So it's all there. They all the MPs know about it. Has there not been a rush of MPs coming together to quickly see a change in the law? Well, when I launched this campaign, um, and when you launch a campaign, it's for me, it's always about timing. And I remember I launched it and it didn't really kind of go anywhere. So I relaunched it and I managed to get a chief constable to back me. So he publicly supported it. And the campaign just went absolutely crazy to the point I, I couldn't keep up. There were that many people supporting it. You know, the PCCs and of course it's all about politics. So they all wanted the picture took. Um, it, it got a lot of backing. And as usual, I get to the home office and all of that, um, and I kind of hit a brick wall. So it, it is something that I'm still trying to fight for. I don't think it'll come into place under the Tories. I think the Labour will, will probably come in. You know, maybe that's when a lot of my work will, will be pushed through. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But there's not even, and this is something else I'm campaigning for, there's not even a legal definition for criminal exploitation. That's basic. You could put a group of people in a room for an hour, it's not going to cost you anything, and that could be done. That's how simple and easy it is. But of course it's not. Oh, of course. is. I mean, I'm in London, and I I saw questions put in to the police and the councils in London, the Met Police and every council, and they were asked about records they had of grooming gangs, of CSE happening, and they either replied, we don't have any issue, 
or ignored the request. Um, but you pointed out you think it's happening everywhere. Uh, I can't see how the capital of a nation that actually it's perfect, but everywhere else is bad. I know. Listen to this. So a couple of years back, because I go around to all different agencies and I, I share my experience and, you know, I kind of give advice on what I think could work. And I remember going down to the Met and I was talking to an officer and he said, um, I don't understand why you're here though, Sammy, because exploitation doesn't happen in London. And I was so shocked. And I said to him, I said, oh, so does London have a bubble over it then where paedophiles just bounce off the walls and they're not allowed to enter? Of course it happens in London. It happens everywhere. Um, so, again, you know, this is still the mindset of professionals. And for me, I think the biggest challenge you have in, ta in tackling not just exploitation, but, you know, all different forms of abuse is changing the mindset of professionals. Because, And I'm guilty of this myself. And I'll sit and I'll say the system, the system, the system. Well, actually, it's people that are running that system. It's professionals that run it, you know, police officers, politicians and all the rest of it. It's them that need to change the mindsets and, you know, start and put things in place. And you mentioned about different government departments you've uh, you've met with, uh, the Home Office and others. And um, a latest story, and I know you'd reposted it on your account, was Rochdale grooming gang leader still living in Britain nearly nine years after he was meant to be deported to Pakistan. Um, and yet the government promised, they really promised they would actually send these individuals back if they do nationality, strip them. Um, again, I, I know we we had a petition for that and it got a debate in Parliament. It got 100,000 easily because there was concern of this. And yet it's just put away. Again, it's a surprise to maybe our viewers not in the UK to hear that these individuals who have a nationality elsewhere are actually allowed to stay here and aren't sent back. Yeah. And again, it shows that our politicians don't have a backbone and just do not but lie. And I think what they think is going to happen is, you know, they'll they'll do all the right talk and then they hope the story will just blow over and we'll all forget about it. Um, all they have to do is, you know, kind of put something in place, is not allowed to be released until it's all sorted and pull the aid from Pakistan. You know, some, I'm, I'm not going to sit here say I'm an expert on these kind of things because I'm not. But they could put things in place if they wanted it to be done. Again, it's because they don't want to. It, it is quite a simple fix of just changing it. But um, mm. there isn't. Um, let me, there are one or two other things you put up um, as we finish up. And it was this you put up from the um, Rotherham record on us the the front page and it kind of fits to what you said at the beginning andy burnham uh, his comments and this was from uh, 2018 september 2018 so what six years ago traffic girl slept with over 100 asian men and all before she was 16 um again it's amazing how a headline does not give the story and that could easily be changed but this is, I'm sure you've seen this over and over again in the media, where they refuse to talk about, at least it said girl, but child, and they refuse to use the term rip. Yeah, I know. The language um, of media, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done within the media. I mean, I've worked within um, media, well, since, you know, August 2013, Um but, yeah, they, they just need some real education about how to word things. And what we need to remember is, you know, 
when when the media are using this kind of language, that's actually educating people in the country of how they should speak. What we've also got to remember is some of those people are going to be on a jury deciding whether people are guilty or not. Um, and yeah, I, I do speak to professionals when I do my training and things because I've seen reports. I mean, I've, I've got copies of my reports um, and some of them are from even recent and the language that they're using. And I, and I say to them, look, one day that report could be used in a court of law and that kind of language could sway, you know, jury's mind of, of how they should be viewing someone. So, yeah, a lot of work that needs to be done in media. But that that headline is absolutely disgusting. And I think as well, um, you know, when we're talking about exploitation, as we've seen in um, Rotherham and Rochdale, um, you know, of course, the reports are showing that they are majority of Pakistani Muslim men. And the moment you talk about this, you know, everybody goes in outrage and like, oh, no, you can't brand, you know, everybody is that. And it, it's not saying that at all. It, you know, if a report says majority being committed um you know well they always say asian men don't they and my point being the pakistani muslim men so again we're still even scared in the media to say this for exactly what it is now i'm not saying that every single perpetrator of exploitation is a pakistani muslim man we know that i know from my own life experience from a child and an adult that all races can commit this abuse but why are we still not allowed to have open and honest discussions about race and religion you know look at the church look at everything they did and now which the survivors had to fight you know? I know, and you put your finger on exactly as the main reason why this isn't to be discussed. And I think it's come out in different reports or TV series that uh, the police don't want a race rat, I think it's the term they used, and they want to keep everything quiet and they don't want to arrest these individuals and go after them um, because I think probably because they think they'll have more work to do. Uh, I, I, it's just, I think, sheer laziness and um, not wanting to accept. Because if you, if, if everything is not on the table, then you can't understand the problem. Um, yeah. yeah, it's about politics. Um, the thing is, though, by you know trying to shut this conversation down, the only thing they're doing is turning people racist. They're making a situation worse. If we would have right from the you know beginning been able to have these conversations, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in now. And they just keep covering it up and covering it up and thinking it's going to go away. It's not going away. You know, people like me are not going to allow them to keep doing this. Um, but, you know, people ask me a question of, you know, why are they doing this? The question should be, why are we allowing it? You know, we as the people, you know, we're the ones that are voting, you know, the politicians in. Why are we voting for the wrong people? No, I agree. My anger is against the authorities because they could stop this immediately. Yeah. Um, that's where my... Let, let me just finish off with one question to you on your work and about funding, because I know you put up a tweet some time ago was offered free lift experience talks by myself to agencies around England, Wales. Funding so far has been refused, which is a shame as there's high demand. However, I'm still trying to secure funding, so please bear with me. Um, that kind of fits in to a desire to keep this quiet, because if you get funding to support your work, your activism, you discussing this and taking the message out, then I guess the government and the police and the councils and the courts actually might have to do something. So tell us about yeah, your your work, um, y your funding, and 
and why you're not getting that support? So as an activist, I've always been self-funded. Um, so I've, I've never received any kind of funding or anything like that. Uh, the only thing I've ever received is if um, I've won an award and you sometimes get um, a little grant to help with your work, which has, of course, been helpful. I set up a little just giving um, before Christmas, which is the first time I've ever done that. But my job as a public speaker and a media commentator doesn't just pay me bills. That actually funds me to be able to do uh, the activism work. And, you know, even when I sued the council and the police, um, you know, part of that money actually went, um, you know, to the activism work that I do. So, but of course that money runs out. So what I've done is I set up a community interest company to try and get that funding because when I was talking to agencies, a lot of them, you know, they wanted me to go out and there and, you know, and work with them and do the work, but they struggled to get the funding as well. So I thought, well, at least if I try and get the funding, I can then offer them a free service. And I remember I just put one tweet out and I got over, I think it's over 50 agencies that got back to me and said, yeah, we'd love the free talks. Um, so I kind of reached out to, you know, a few different places, like, uh, for example, my own police and crime commissioner. I've always had a good relationship with him. I've also given a bit of ammo from time to time. But um, yeah, even he refused, which I was really shocked at. So it's been really difficult for me to get some funding. Um, I am trying to get somebody on board just to kind of help me with it because the work is vital. It, it needs to be done. Oh, it is. And there's so much There's so much to do. Um, well, people can follow. Let me just bring up the book just to leave the, the viewers and listeners with that. All the links are in the description. Just a Child, that is Sammy's story um, of uh, her background um, as she exposes the biggest scandal, one of the biggest stains on our history, certainly over the last three, four generations. Um, nothing comes into comparison with this when you look into it. Um, so, Sammy, I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot of work on the activism side and you've also got a lot of media demand. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.